Right now on Tech Radio, Crisis at Web Summit. Hi, I'm Artemis. I am a computer-generated AI voice, and you're listening to Tech Radio. Every week online and on air with RT Radio, we bring you the latest in tech. This week, our show is in association with Fit.ie, the Fast Track into Information Technology Apprenticeship Program, which we'll tell you more about later. For now, you're welcome to episode 993 this week, as well as looking at the Crisis and Web Summit. We've got good news and bad news from Apple and two stories about X-rated calls. Also, a brand new event which combines tech and art is going to be taking place in Dublin next weekend, Thursday 2nd to Sunday 5th of November. It's called Beta, and we'll be chatting with their festival director, Ashling Murray, who'll fill us in on everything from prompt battles to alt-control gamecraft. This is Tech Radio with Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson. Joining me as always is our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson. Uh, so much going on in the world today. And Paddy Cosgrave, our well-known and loved CEO of uh, Web Summit, landing himself in, it's more than hot water. It's more than boiling water. Comes, He's landing himself in steam. Well, you know, now former CEO of Web Summit, Paddy, Paddy Cosgrave. This is a story that broke last Friday. So we just kind of missed it by minutes slash hours when this broke. Um, This is in part related to the current uh, Israel-Hamas conflict. Um, Paddy went on to X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, ergo a longer name than we would have given it in the past, uh, effectively endorsing the Irish government's position over the conflict um, and saying, uh, this is a direct quote, war crimes are war crimes, even when committed by allies. Now, Paddy Cosgrave has a, I don't want to say a checkered history when it comes to Ireland and, and politics. I mean, he has been incredibly outspoken over the last few years over corruption in Irish public life. And we also know that he is a significant investor in the news website, The Ditch, which has done an awful lot of good work going through planning applications, unearthing corruption in public life, and indeed has led to the resignation of public representatives. So it's a pretty effective media outlet. So it's kind of ironic that the one time Paddy Cosgrave does not disagree publicly with the public sector in Ireland is actually the time that costs him his position as CEO of Web Summit. Now, you know, he's he's out of the forward-facing role in Web Summit, but it's still his company in the main. He owns a majority share in Web Summit, there's just a vacancy in the CEO's chair. So if we look at the people that have pulled out, um, this kind of kicked off as far as I noticed with Gillian Anderson um, saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm piecing out of this, you know, this statement does not align with my values, which is perfectly fine. Um, but we also had an awful lot of multinationals follow uh, her example. So we had the likes of Intel, Siemens, Amazon, TikTok, Google, Stripe, um, Meta, 
and an awful lot of Israeli base of uh, Israeli startups and investors. So uh, it's not quite a massive exodus, but there's an awful lot of tier one companies that people would want to be around, learn from, hopefully network with, um, and of course, investors that you want to attract the attention of as well. I mean, having been to Web Summit when it was in Dublin uh, a couple of times, I mean, people were there just to snag the attention of investors. Uh, and, you know, whether it's to get in money or media attention or something like that, people had very quantifiable goals when they went in. So if you take away, you know, the investors, the multinationals, the people, the things people go to see, what do you do? Like, what is an event like this for? Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens because, yeah, if, if, if the big boys aren't there, well, then what, what's, what's the point of going? When 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 is Web Summit? It's it's in three weeks, I think, or something like that. Uh, mid 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 November. Yeah, mid November in Lisbon, and there is a new one actually scheduled for Qatar in 2024 as well. So it's it's still a company that's on the grow, but this is kind of their their business model pushing together these large prestige events. But when the prestigious people, if you will, are gone, don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah, what do yeah. you do? It will be interesting to see because, I mean, that's a big step for him to, to to step back from being the CEO of the company. However, as you say, I mean, he still owns, what, 81% of the company, I believe. So like that, yeah. he's, he's still pulling the strings behind. It's, it's like Elon Musk at Twitter. Didn't he step back as CEO? Yes. Yeah. Or the day-to-day manager, but it's still his company. <laughs> I mean, L- Lindy Acarino might might have the official title, but I mean, it's him tanking the value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And she, she's, she's the one banging her head against the wall. I think the lesson to be learned there is, you know, kind of whenever there's something like that controversial, to keep your trap shut. And that's something well, that Paddy, Paddy Cosgrave doesn't do very well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, Dublin this, Dublin that. I'm not getting what I want. We're going to Lisbon. Bye. I, I think he has fallen victim to the myth of the rock star founder. A web summit has always pitched itself as a technology company as opposed to a company that puts on events for technology companies. And I think there's quite a bit of arrogance there. Um, personally, you know, X is a mess. Stay away from it. There's only bad things happen there. <laughs> Now, listen, speaking of X, let me move on to another story about X this week. And they are now bringing in X-rated calls. Here's the first of two stories for you, okay? Um, They're bringing in a new feature that nobody asked for, and that's the ability for uh, Twitter users to call each other. Voice and video calls. Right. So we don't get an edit button. Correct ourselves. <laughs> we don't get the other button. But you can have strangers call you or you can limit it to just registered users or, or whatever, but the ability to call. And I think it's insane because A, Twitter is not about that. All right. It's a broadcast platform more than anything else. And the second thing is that he wants X to become more like WeChat in China, where it's the app that does everything. So WeChat is the kind of thing. It's very like kind of, I suppose, uh, uh, WhatsApp that we have here. So you do all your texts and you talk to people and all that kind of stuff, but we'll also do financial transactions. So it's like a combination of like Revolut and uh, WhatsApp. That's what WeChat is. And that's where he wants X to go. But how do you go from taking something that is world famous for 20 years for doing 
A and then change it almost completely to doing B. It's insane. Well, by starting by changing the name on it, but you know, a brand is a a brand is a contract. You sign up for Twitter expecting a certain kind of uh, a certain style of interaction. Mm. Elon Musk has dismantled exactly. the infrastructure exactly that allowed for that. Yeah. So you are going on to a platform that is indecipherable and anarchic. And being told, hey, this is where you can get all your communication needs. No, 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 thank you. No, thank you. It's, it's, it's all. Every week we talk about X and every week it's just a disaster, isn't it? However, uh, my second X-rated calls. Oh, sorry. The last thing about that is there is a thing where you can turn that off. <laughs> no, I don't want to be getting random calls from the um, uh, 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 from the bin of society that we call X, formerly known as Twitter. Mm. Uh, so you can turn it off. The other X-rated calls thing is, and I'm fascinated with AI and how it's been developing over the last year and how it's just completely exploded. Um, there are now, uh, there's a lot of X-rated um, chat apps that are driven by AI. Uh, But somebody Mm -hmm. has come out with a better, newer version. They're within the industry itself. And basically, this app will have AI avatars, okay? So it's a video of the person, um, and they are able to essentially talk dirty. Mm. And you can have a conversation with them about whatever it is that you want. Uh, What's interesting is that the lady behind this, as I say, worked in the industry, and she is working with adult models, uh, who choose what their AI versions will and will not talk about. So we had the hmm. whole actors strike at the moment where they're kind of going, hey, they can take my likeness and they can turn it into a, an AI or an avatar or whatever it happens to be. Um, and it can say anything. At least this particular company is changing that. So it's kind of, there are some rules and whatever. Um, Goodness. Where, wherever porn goes, the rest of society will follow. Yes, but, you know, you say that with tongue in cheek, but it's absolutely true because it was the porn industry that drove uh, images on, on the internet in the first place and how to compress them and make them smaller, all right? And that's how things work faster. And it was the porn industry who drove uh, probably video. It was, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and Exactly. Do you know what I mean? That, the porn industry and then YouTube. Do you know what I mean? Is there a difference? Of course there is. There's a huge difference. Yes, there's a massive <laughs> difference, Dusty. Massive difference. Um, I wouldn't know because I only look at YouTube. Right, moving on. Uh, Apple, a couple of bits of news from them. Uh, are you a subscriber to Apple Plus TV? Uh, I am not because oh, there okay. isn't enough up there for me to be <sighs> interested. I'd have to agree with you. Um, they have just kind of overnight jumped their price from six ninety nine to nine ninety nine a month, and from what I can see, without warning. Mm. And if you were to, you know, be considering a subscription, you go on to Apple now. Boom, you're straight into the nine ninety nine. If you're already a subscriber, you've got thirty days, and then the thing goes up on the next uh, payment. Yeah. Like there's only two shows that I'm, that I'm interested in. There's, um, I think it's, uh, well, Todd Lasso, mm. uh, which I've seen a couple of episodes on and I quite like yeah. that. Yeah. thought it was easy, easy watching. And the other one, what is it? It's the one with, um, the guy from Parks and Rec in it. Um, Adam Scott. What mm-hmm. is it? It's it's not severance. It's it's something else. It's it's this surreal thing about a guy working in an office. Um, yeah, and and that looks kind of interesting to me as well. 
another one. Other than that, I, I mean, Foundation, of course. Uh, I'd have to see it, but I gather it's very, a very po-faced adaptation. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to, I, halfway through the first series, it was like, eh, this is a bit boring. And then the other one that really disappointed me was uh, Invasion. Mm, yeah. I, I, and that just, that crawled along like a snail. And I just uh, I got, interesting though, I was at the movies at the weekend to see, and of course I've completely forgotten the movie that uh, I went to see. It was very, very long, three and a half hours. Uh, it was, was uh, Oppenheimer, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't Oppenheimer. That's months ago. This is the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Oh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Boom. That's the one, right? Uh, yeah, good enough movie. Three and a half hours though, way too long. Uh, but it's an Apple Plus movie production in the cinema. So it's kind of, mm, okay. But I think you're right. I don't think there's enough. If you were to look at whatever, $9.99 for Netflix or $9.99 mm. for, for Amazon Prime or whatever it happens to be, and then $9.99 for Apple, which has gone to like 10%. Admittedly, mm. good quality stuff, a lot of it, but I just don't think it, it, it adds up. But that's what Apple do. They just jacked the prices up of everything. I was reading an interesting article about smartphones because there hasn't been that much innovation really in smartphones in, say, the last five years. So um, what they've been doing now is uh, just jacking the price up <laughs> instead because they're not selling as many phones. So a top-level right. Pro Max phone, iPhone, like five years ago, would have cost you maybe 900 quid. Because I remember you and I were kind of going, oh, my God, a thousand euro phone? Don't be crazy. Mm. Yeah. And now you're going to, you're paying 1500 yeah. quid for the, the darn things. Everybody's putting the prices up. Spotify uh, smiles because they had quarter, re, quarterly returns call to the stock markets and their share price went up because their income has gone up. And everyone's kind of like, mm-hmm. yay, finally, Spotify is in profit. Well, that's because they've increased their, their premium <laughs> in the last yeah. couple okay, of Okay. So, so what are you paying now for Spotify? Uh, I was paying nine ninety nine. Now I'm paying ten ninety nine, and it's kind of like at this stage, I'm kind of I think I'm going to dump Spotify and I'm going to go with uh, YouTube because you can get a package of YouTube. It's a little bit more expensive, but you get YouTube Video without the ads. The Ooh, most yeah, that's annoying thing in the world. And yeah. then you also get YouTube Music, which is a standalone app uh, and that does all your music and it does all your podcasts and stuff like that as 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 well. So it's quite mm. good. So I'm looking at that. Uh, Disney Plus, I've put up their prices or they're going up, I should say, in uh, in November. They're up, what, eight ninety nine to ten ninety nine, another two quid? Yeah. yeah. Now, Disney, Disney Plus is interesting because for the amount of content Disney mm. owns, you'd imagine people would flock into this thing, you know, like all the Marvel stuff and, you know, all the classics and all mm. that kind of thing. Um, however, the Disney suite of streaming services, which includes uh, Disney Plus, Hulu and ESPN Plus, um, has lost a combined $1.1 billion in the third quarter of 2023 Ouch. alone. Ouch. Disney is a weird one. I, I, there was a, a thing about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee and it was a documentary oh, yeah. series. Yeah. He was on Disney. Mm. You don't put Pamela Anderson on Disney. Well, especially not that show. Well, you know, so it's kind of, again, it's back to the, the Twitter and, and X thing. Why are people changing? They're breaking. You said, you know, kind of a brand is, a brand is all about a promise. And this is, this is mm. what we stand for. And everybody's changing. You know, Disney Plus is family wholesome entertainment. It's squeaky clean. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Netflix, uh, they, their money has gone up as well, but that's because they stopped the password sharing, and now they're bringing in advertising, or they have advertising in it. And I think Amazon are doing the same thing. And Amazon, Amazon are increasing their Prime Video membership by a euro or two euro or something like that. Uh, if you want to continue ad free, or you can continue paying the same price, uh, but you'll have ads. I'm hanging. I'm just going back to buying DVD box sets. I can't, I can't be bothered with these streaming services anymore. I cannot agree with you there at all. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to look at it that way, a DVD box set would have cost you 30, 40 or 50 quid. All right. For one series, 12 shows. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can sit down and watch a box set in a month and only pay a month subscription, a tenner. So maybe the thing is to stop looking at it as a subscription that I pay every month, but to just kind of say, do you know what? It's November. I'm going to settle in. I'm going to buy Apple this month for a tenner and I'm going to watch, you know, kind of Invasion. I'm going to watch uh, blah, blah, blah. And I catch up on this movie and this movie and then just kill it and then move on to the next service for the next month. That's a better way of doing it. Or you could drop uh, Netflix, you could drop Apple and you could drop Amazon and you could get the X-rated call service I was talking about earlier for only $30 a month, which is very own avatar. Nice, nicely done, Dusty. <laughs> also from Apple, uh, they have announced, uh, and this was a bit of a surprise drop during the week, they're going to have a scary fast um, on uh, Monday the 30th, isn't it? We'll be on holidays. We'll be on a I'll tell you two reasons I'm not going to first it's a bank holiday I ain't working Mm -hmm. Uh, number two is it's on very late it's going to be 1am or or midnight or something like that which is unusual yeah it's midnight our time yeah Yeah. normally they they put these things out at like what 10 in the morning our time which uh, their time which is like 6 o'clock our time yeah yeah, this is going to be like way late and the idea is spooky night time isn't this crazy? Yeah, yeah. No, the only thing spooky um, and scary will be the price. Probably. New Max is what they're going to announce. Uh, I'm guessing an iMac maybe with the M2. I'm wondering if they're going to announce an M3 processor uh, for the MacBook Pro. We'll wait and see. The other good thing from Apple this week is in California, Apple have been forced into a right to repair scheme. So if somebody buys an Apple product, there is a right in California where Apple have to allow you to repair the uh, item itself. And they have to have spares available for three years for any product that's worth under $100 or seven years for any product that's worth over $100, which is pretty much everything that Apple sell. Uh, (laughs) Pretty much. Well, you know, we can, we can thank, um, we can thank farmers for this, um, because the right to repair all came down to, um, tractors, an awful lot of whom come with computerized equipment. And the option was you can either fix it yourself and void your warranty, or you can wait three weeks for somebody with the expertise to actually come and fix it or collect it and take it off to be fixed or whatever. The right to repair just makes sense. It does um, make you know, sense. And uh, the, the very idea of fixing something yourself in validation the warranty is just crazy. So it's great to see uh, Apple concede that, okay, this is, this is a good idea. Mm. This will help keep people on side. Maybe when they're looking at the amount of competition they're facing out there where people are just going, do you know what? Mm. Your product is too expensive. And if anything goes wrong with it, it's a pain in the neck to get it fixed. 
And, you know, again, another example of California standing up to big tech. Uh, last week, we were talking about the Delete Act, which is coming in. One-stop shop, get me off the internet. Boom. Uh, it's not California uh, good at that and the EU are good at that. And it's interesting that it has a domino effect. And I think it's a good domino mm, effect in this mm. case. Uh, Apple have to abide with the California ruling. And the announcement they made this week was that they are now going to roll out that right to repair uh, nationwide in the US. And if they're doing it for all of the US, hey, they're going to do it worldwide. Because yeah. I mean, you remember initially they said, we're not making spare parts available. That's crazy talk, uh, which turned into, okay, we're, we'll make the parts available. Uh and uh, I, I think it was like only Apple certified uh, places can do this stuff. And it's like, and I can buy this stuff yourself. And now with the current version, uh, it's going to be uh, repairs will be supported for repairs and components will be supported for seven years. Another story on techcentral.ie this week was uh, about STEM. Now, my little notes here says STEM WTF. All right. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. uh, there was a, there's a great organisation uh, called iWish in Ireland, all right, where they're promoting STEM careers uh, for females, and they did a survey, and this is incredible. I, I keep looking at my watch just to check that it's 2023, right? Because they said that 67 percent of girls in secondary school do not have information about STEM careers. This is a conversation that we come back to when we're talking about things like diversity, when we're talking about getting women and girls more involved in the technology sector, there seems to be a lot of reasons why girls aren't pursuing uh, degrees in STEM subjects and consequently careers in STEM. Quite a lot of it coming down to parental expectations uh, and also peer pressure. Like, there is nothing, you know, there's no natural gravitation uh, of girls to, towards certain subjects on account of, you know, the way our brains are wired or anything like that. It's, it's literally can come down to something as simple as my folks think I should do this. I'll do it. My friends are in this class. I'll go and I'll be with them. Very often to do with social factors um, and expectations of people around them and, you know, f- feeling the need to fulfill those expectations. So the more schemes like I wish, um, the better, because a good chunk of it, yeah, it, it is to do with that lack of information that's out there, but you've got to encourage people to go seek it. Uh, as well. So hopefully there is a big I wish event uh, coming up in February. And one of the cool things about it is that there is going to be free transport on uh, Irish Rail to get as far as Houston Station. And there will be free coaches from there to the RDS to, to the actual STEM fair itself. A small, a small measure, but hey, much needed. Much, much needed. And goodness knows, like half those trains are empty uh, after nine o'clock in the morning anyway. So, you know, to be able to stick a class of uh, of kids on it and, and, and off they go. I really just, I, you know, I am shocked with that. And I feel like we're living in a third world country when, when I hear stats like that. I think it's dreadful because we do need to change and we do need to be more equal. And, you know, kind of all of these STEM careers are crying out for people. They can't get enough people in there. So why are we missing out this massive segment of the, of the population who are way capable of, of doing everything? Like, you know, so that's, I, I often yeah. think 
it takes time. It's what you're saying is peer pressure and it's family expectations and stuff like that. But uh, I will say three words to you. All right. That proves that things do change over time. Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. Great example. I was in a sandwich shop a couple of months ago. This was when the Women's World Cup was was going on. And there was a, a, a gang of kids, a gang of boys sitting beside me, having a chat amongst themselves. And the subject of the Women's World Cup came up and it was like, have you been watching it? You know, and genuine excitement. And, you know, one of the kids was like, you, you watch it. And, you know, the, the leader, if you will, was like, no, it's gotten really good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you need is for the leader to say that and then everybody will follow. There you go. All right, listen, that's, uh, that's all we have time for news for this week. Uh, Niall, as always, thanks for keeping us up to date. This is Tech Radio from techcentral.ie. Get every episode of Tech Radio by clicking follow on your podcast player right now. Now, speaking of STEM, something related for you, there are a ton of companies, over 450 of them, who are finding huge success with a tech apprenticeship program, which is called FIT. They're using it to grow their tech teams, build some greater diversity in the workplace, which in turn spark fresh thinking and energy. And financially, they get to avoid high recruitment agency fees and there are state grants of up to €6,000 for every single apprentice that you take on. If your company wants to free up some of your more experienced staff and get some fresh energy into the day-to-day tech team, do check out FIT for Fast Track into Information Technology Apprenticeship Program. The website is fit.ie and you'll find more details in the description area of this episode on your podcast app. The first ever Beta Festival is taking place in Dublin next weekend, Thursday 2nd to Sunday 5th of November. The weekend brings together Ireland's research and digital arts communities and fosters a discussion about how the two disciplines can combine to the benefit of society. Festival director is Ashling Murray and she spoke with Niall Kitson about what we can expect. Ashling, this is the first year of Beta, so can you tell us a little bit about the festival? Yeah, so um, Beta is a new festival of art and technology that will be taking place this year up at the Digital Hub. Uh, the Digital Hub are co-founding the festival actually with an initial commitment of five years. Um, and essentially it's looking at audience-centred programming, so an, an activity of uh, exhibitions, events, performance, workshops, discussion, debate, um, engaging critically with uh, ideas uh, around art and technology. I think the word engagement there is so important because people are used to thinking about technology in obviously very technical terms, sort of the, the applications that we're used to in our daily lives. You're looking at a very different way to engage in technology. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose really the, 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 the way I'm interested in programming is looking at audience-centered programming. So kind of thinking about how creative or cultural events can be transformative for the people that go to them and that they equip people with the tools to understand more about the world around. And so essentially through something like beta, it's kind of thinking about how through exhibitions and discussions and performance that people maybe at a very surface level might go to engage with some of the exhibits or go to engage with a nice dance performance. But actually, if we end up teaching them a little bit more about quantum technology or artificial intelligence. And I, I suppose that's where the literacy piece starts to come in. Um, and ADAPT uh, Research Centre are actually our research partner on the festival. So it just means when we kind of look at all of these kind of artistic and creative activities, that we're also tying that back constantly to real research and real researchers uh, in Ireland and really spotlighting that alongside the kind of artistic and creative activity. I think that's a really important point to tie together sort of the, the scientific and the creative 
uh, together because, you know, people, people's brains operate on both levels, of course. Uh, in looking at that element of digital literacy and I suppose engaging with the community primarily in Dublin 8, what sort of feedback have you gotten from the community or indeed from your peers uh, in terms of what you're looking to achieve here? I, mean, I imagine, you know, it's, it's not purely an artistic endeavour, art for art's sake. Um, as you said, you are looking to get people engaged and perhaps more interested as before. So on the ground level, who do you actually expect to be seeing at this? Is it, is it indeed going to be for creatives or are you looking for a much broader base? It's a great question. Um, and I think definitely, look, the, the ideal is we're looking for that broader base, you know, and really looking to bring together communities in kind of industry, academia, research, you know, artistic practice and engaged citizens, you know. So really kind of having these interdisciplinary groups come together because it's really kind of in having different perspectives come together that interesting and new things can emerge. And and really one of the things when we started to kind of look at the national landscape of where BASE might sit and things that are already happening, there are a lot of really interesting and exciting things that happen in, you know, in academic settings, there's symposiums, conferences and Look, I'm a nerd. I go to all of those. Um, and there's also interesting things that happen for industry. There's the Dublin Tech Summit, you know, um, even things like Future Humans, brilliant. But again, kind of thinking about something that broadens out a little bit more to the public and really captures and brings those communities together to engage with those ideas uh, uh, as a kind of uh, larger group. And indeed, when you are trying to create this larger sense of a national conversation about technology, it kind of makes you wonder about other kind of gaps in knowledge that exist out there, whether it be in the artistic or indeed in the political. Do you think there's a role there for something like Beta to plug those sort of knowledge gaps as well? I do, yeah. I think that taking it outside of industry settings or academic settings allows for it to sit outside of those hierarchies. And I suppose one thing with the festivals, we're really not expecting people to come in with, um, come into the festival with knowledge or knowing everything. You know, really, we, we the program kind of exists to you know, come in if you want to just engage with ideas in a very simple way or if you want to really deep dive into quantum technologies and artificial intelligence. But I mean, I guess I really think when you look at, you know, even plans for government, you know, you've got the National Artificial Intelligence Strategy, which is, you know, a brilliant document. Uh, you've got all the plans for the digital transformation and a lot of that uh, investment and a lot of the work being done there is really happening across that industry and academic setting. But actually thinking, starting to think a little bit more about public engagement and think about how to um, yeah, equip people with the information and the tools to, to critically know what's what's going on and kind of make up their own mind about, um, you know, what's going on with data centres in Ireland or what do I think about artificial intelligence or what could this mean for me or for my job? That point about critical thinking is fascinating to me because at the moment people still see technology in very much a mechanistic term and you know, people are coming to it from the perspective of maybe, you know, an engineer or people looking to figure out how to use Google Drive or get the most out of their email tags or whatever. So engaging with technology, you know, using the artistic part of your brain to use a, a very dated analogy, uh, it must be kind of a foreign idea to a lot of people. Yeah, I, th I think it is. I mean, you know, I think, look, there are, there are some... Um artists and researchers doing incredible things here already and collaborating um, together in Ireland already. But 
I think also internationally, there's a lot of really great examples of institutions and festivals and galleries that do engage critically with kind of technologies. You've got Ars Electronica in Austria, you've got Transmediale in, in Germany. And, you know, in Ireland, we have some of the biggest tech companies based here, an increasing number of data centers, obviously mentioned the kind of plans for government, but all the way up to conversations from local to global, you know, looking at the e, the EU AI Act, things like the new European Bauhaus. I think, you know, really looking at um, the literacy level for these things in general and uh, what could be done to, to engage the public with some of these ideas is, is, is really important. So let's drill down into the actual programme for the, for the uh, festival. What can people expect? Yeah, I think you can, you can expect an awful lot of different things, you know, so there, there's going to be um, over the Friday and Saturday, there'll be a kind of com- conference with different discussions. And that's that'll be on everything on Ireland's role is, um, you know, a, an infrastructural node. You know, historically, Ireland's played a huge role in terms of the infrastructure of the Internet and kind of connected interconnectedness. Um, uh, to we've got a repair cafe hosted by Tog Hackerspace, which will happen on the Sunday. So, you know, if you want to just bring in your uh, radio or your toaster and get it fixed and talk about repair culture, there's a 360 immersive experience, which again, on a very surface level, if you want to come in and get some beautiful pictures, it's a beautiful experience. But actually, it's um, one of the first artworks to ever be created using quantum technologies. And it's also about quantum technology. Um, uh, you've got got a French artist, um, uh, Thomas Garnier, um, who has a piece called Tauti, which is looking at um, uh, Amazon robots um, that kind of exist in, in these factories and um, kind of lights off or dark factories. Um, and that's a kind of automation and robotics piece kind of looking at labor. And um, we have the premiere of a new work by Peter Power and Leon Butler, um, two artists that'll be in Project Art Centre that's running on Friday the 3rd and Saturday the 4th. Um, and that is kind of looking at um, this kind of transience between the digital realm and the physical realm. Uh, so there's really, yeah, there's there's loads of activities. We have a nighttime programme as well, which is being supported by Rome Co Distillery. Um, and that is going to see two collaborations, uh, one with Gash Collective, who will uh, curate some performances on the Friday, and then one with Open Ear Festival, who will curate on the Saturday. And then in between, we'll have lots of these like lovely little um, just rich moments for people to connect and really, um, you know, I, I suppose the festival connect create this anchor point for communities to come together. So it's not kind of um, not looking to reinvent the wheel, but really bring these people together to uh, uh, kind of create a punctuation point in the air to amplify the voice of people that are already kind of doing work and interested in art and technology in Ireland. Uh, personally, in looking through the uh, programme, you have it split up into interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary and transdisciplinary and. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between those three headings? Multidisciplinary is kind of the, the coming together of multiple different disciplines. Interdisciplinary is where they start to, I suppose, like merge a little bit more and the ideas. And then transdisciplinary is where you begin to kind of move above the, I would say transdisciplinary is always the emergence of, you know, it being one discipline in itself beyond the individual disciplines. Um so I suppose in, in bringing together the different groups of people, that's kind of what you would be hoping for is that uh, you begin to kind of have these new perspectives, a generation of new knowledge occurring and by having kind of multiple different perspectives, by having different kind of modes of communication and different kinds of events and activities. There's also one uh, exhibition uh, that uh, caught my eye in particular, 
which was the idea of using potatoes to re- to uh, replicate a social network. Yes, absolutely. This is a great piece by uh, artist Caroline Cinders. So, um, potato internet, and it's literally an internet powered by uh, potatoes. But but as you said, it's also a, a small scale social media network. Um, and it's it's super interesting with this piece. So Caroline, uh, she's very socially engaged in her work. And so one of the things that we're doing is we'll actually be working with the local community garden in Dublin 8 to um, do potato planting and harvesting workshops. And in these workshops, then talk about um, tech and digital literacy, but also kind of talk about how should a social, small scale social media network be governed. And it means then that the piece is almost co-created or co-designed and the ideas are um, with the local community. Another piece that I thought seems uh, seemed quite interesting uh, is this ethics lab that you have set up with the ADAPT uh, Research Centre. Um, kind of, you know, bring your own problem and, and sort it out from a, a, an ethical perspective. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the ethics lab, the idea is that it's co-created with our research partner ADAPT and that um, it's based on real research that they're doing. And so it's taking um, real world potential impacts of, uh, you know, new and emerging technologies on society, presenting these different scenarios where the general public can kind of come in and feedback on their perceptions and their ideas around them. So, you know, almost using things like the philosophical trolley problem to to think through what the impacts of some of these technologies might be. I suppose the idea of the Ethics Lab is it's an opportunity really for the audience to kind of say how they feel about these things. Um, and the, the interesting thing is knowing that we're at the beginning of the five-year cycle of this festival, the Ethics Lab is something that we intend to repeat annually. And so really the dream with this is that, you know, year one, we might see maybe a lot of, uh, you know, maybe concerns or interest around generative AI coming. But then you could look at, back on it by year four and say, actually, do you know what? In year three, we ended up seeing that people were talking a little bit more about uh, data equity, sustainability, or so you kind of end up. It becomes ends up becoming this temperature check with the general public and kind of where their um, interests, where their concerns are coming up, and looking at how to map those out. That's fascinating. So you can almost have sort of data driven conversations moving from one year to the next. Exactly, and you know, I, I feel that the ethics lab is this opportunity for us to co-design the following year's festival. You know, if we see an awful lot of one particular thing coming up, we can be like, okay, do you know what? For next year, our thematic or our ideas need to be based a little bit more around this. And that was Ashling Murray from the Beta Festival taking place next weekend, Thursday second to Sunday fifth of November. You'll find more on the weekend's activities at their website betafestival.ie. And as always, that link in the show notes. This is Tech Radio. That's it for our show this week. Do check out some more stories online that we didn't have time to include in the podcast today, including good job news for Shannon as HID opens a new logistics centre. Huawei has got a brand new boss here in Ireland and there is a new kind of X-ray going into service in UCD. All of those stories and more online for you at techcentral.ie. Now, on a programming note, we won't be on the podcast next week. We're going to pretend like we're kids and actually take a midterm break. Everyone else in the office, though, is working at techcentral.ie, so we'll keep you up to date on all of the tech news here in Ireland online. So until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, have a fantastic bank holiday weekend. Talk to you soon. Tech Radio is produced by DustPod.io. From me, Artemis, goodbye. <laughs>